Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Um, we're back with a, a fresh crew today. Um, as we we're doing now when we've got four people on the pod, we've got Kieran, we've got Ed and we've got Liam. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking all about fixing the college football playoff. As we know, four teams just isn't enough, is it? We need some more teams in there. We need some more games. And um, yeah, so we, we're going to kind of talk about how we're going to fix that. And, you know, we've got a bit of a checkpoint coming up. It's going to be discussed next week by uh, the NCAA, uh, not sorry, next month by the NCAA, sorry. And they've got a bit of a, a meeting about that sort of thing. But I'm sure we'll discuss that later down the line. But lads, we'll bring you in. How is everyone doing on this fine summer's evening? We finally got some summer. We got we finally got some sun. Bit bit warm, in it. Yeah. Well, even it. warmer for you because you're not even here, are you? You're in America. Cincinnati's a heater, mate. It feels like uh... the weird thing is everyone has aircon, so inside it's like really nice and climate controlled. And and you st- you step outside, it's like when you get off the plane when you go go on holiday, and just a wave of heat hits you. Be complaining if that was me. If I'm going to be completely yeah, we're, we're still not at that stage here, unfortunately. It's <laughs> definitely not summer down here yet. Oh, really? You're not allowed out at the minute, anyway. So I'm fine. not allowed out, no. <laughs> and that's not not for any untoward reason, obviously. No, yeah, you might have to clarify that. Liam is living um, in Cornwall where they've got the G7 meeting going on at the minute. So they're locking everyone up at what was it, 7 30, you said? Yeah, 7 7 curfew. 7 curfew, and then you're not allowed out. Perfect time to do a podcast, anyway. So that's why you're stuck in talking to three of us, anyway. That's not a very glamorous place to have the G7 summit, isn't it? Is it? Like, you'd imagine they do it like fucking Athens or something, not, <laughs> not fucking Central, not pronounced. Like, what's happening? I'm sure it's a nice enough area, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lovely, lovely place, to be fair. I just didn't, yeah. when, you, when, you, uh, when you told us about it, obviously, uh, a few weeks ago, I did think it's, it, I wouldn't have to, I wouldn't imagine it to have that infrastructure and things like that. But anyway, we digress. It's Not unassuming. Here. It's a very unassuming yeah, place to yeah. be holding world leaders. Yeah. You've got some like old farmers from the West Country. Oh, I see that boy. No, I did. Oh, <laughs> he's a great leader. He is. <laughs> At least you brought it back to America and then with that reference. But yeah, we digress and we'll get them talking about football now for the people who are turning off um, at this point. But Ed, I'm going, to, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, obviously, we're recording on Tuesday, Tuesday evening. And this morning, we put out an article of yours uh, that I've had in the back pocket, actually, for quite a while since you came on board about fixing the college football playoff. And you seem to have a very, very popular way of, of doing things. So, yeah, just give us a quick rundown of what's in the article. Obviously, don't, you know, don't spoil it for everyone who hasn't read it yet. Yeah, I mean, so I, I was thinking about the college football playoff a lot um, over the past, over the weeks just after the season, really, because I felt like it was kind of, it was a bit of a disappointment, really. I don't think any of the, none of the games were that close. I don't think it was that exciting. As a Notre Dame fan, it was kind of soul crushing. And I know it just felt like there were only three conferences represented, obviously, because Notre Dame ran the ACC last year. And it just felt a little bit underwhelming, especially given that there were loads of really good teams in college football who deserved you know, a better shot, I thought. Um, Coastal Carolina um, was one, Cincinnati's another, BYU even. I think obviously BYU lost to Coastal Carolina, but they only had two days to prepare for one of the most yeah, one of the most unique offences in college football. So what are you going to do? So there are all these teams who didn't get an opportunity. And I think this expansion of the college football playoff is necessary. And I kind of went through my structure for how I would do it. I'll go into the absolute details, but my preference is a 16-team 
um, 16-team playoff um, compared to the 12-team playoff that I think is most favoured at the moment. And the reason for that is mainly is that with the 12-team playoff, there's going to be basically a play-in round where teams 5 to 16, would, 5 to 12, sorry, would play for the chance to play the top four. And, and and then they I think it'll be five to eight play have the, have nine to twelve at home. I thought that was a bit rubbish because then one to four don't get to play at home, and I feel that's kind of a it's kind of a bit rubbish having that play in and then having that home round where teams at Alabama can't have a college football playoff game at home, which I think is sad. So my sixteen game structure had uh, sixteen teams qualify um, for the bowl game. Um, season they all play a bowl game as part of the last 16 then they go to a last eight where the higher ranked team plays at home then you get the traditional semi-final and then the college football playoff final so that's my structure of doing it and I think I think it's nice because I think it, it, having 16 teams just means that more teams get the chance to play and my qualification system was um, the five winners of the power five conferences three of the winners of the you know the best of the rest basically uh, and then you get uh, eight teams uh, decided by committee and then their ranks and such and I think that's a good way of getting loads of different teams in that means that eight teams who don't get the opportunity to win but might be a really good team like for example Texas A&M who didn't got opportunity this year they get in uh, and even though they're not qualified as champions, I just think it's a really good way of getting it. And then you get all of the excitement of, you know, the, the smaller teams getting their shots. So I really like the 16-team um, playoff. And for me, I think it brings a lot of benefits. First of all, um, the bowl game season would start with the last 16. And because they're at that opportunity, eight bowl games, which matter for the playoffs you know, less players opting out of bowl season, which is really going to help, I think, um, bowl season in general. Uh, and I think you will see a lot less, you know, opt-outs, because I don't think anyone's going to opt-out of an opportunity to go there. The last day you get the home games for the bigger teams, and then you get the semi-final and final. So I think it brings loads of really exciting opportunities. It means you can have um, quarterfinals of the college football playoff in Death Valley, at Memorial Hill, all these classic college football venues that don't get playoff games. I think it'd be... Absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, that's what I've kind of outlined in the article. I go deeper into why I think this is a really good proposal and what I think it does to fix the bowl structure, to fix the playoff, uh, to to give teams an opportunity. But, yeah, I think the, the, the way of getting all 16 teams in, getting all of these different players in and having the opportunity for all conferences and all teams across the country to, to get in and you know have their shot, is why I favour it. So, yeah, check out the article. It's on Full Ton Yards. Uh, you can find it on, on wherever. And I, I think it's probably, it's not perfect. And I have no doubt that it would never be seriously considered because I think it would rock the boat too much. But if I think if you're looking at this from an objective stance of not being someone in power, this is the most exciting thing for college fans. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it completely um, with, you know, go out and check it out. It's a great article. It definitely asks some questions and gets you thinking about college football. I think my main takeaway from it personally, and I'll let the other guys come in with, with theirs shortly, is first of all, it's all about diversity, right? You want more teams in the college football. You want to see, you know, we were obviously big fans of the pod last year of two teams you mentioned, Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, and a few others as well that we really wanted to be in there. And not to give a massive spoiler, but you've got, a diagram of how it would have played out in terms of last year's college football playoff. And there's some fantastic um, matchups in there, especially in the early rounds. And, you know, it does give that opportunity. It gives more of a showcase, doesn't it, to these players who are playing for these small teams. And it gives them a test. Because, you know, when we kind of thinking back to, I don't know, the start of this year and we're talking about our draft podcast and things like that, 
we're saying someone like me, especially someone who bangs on about sample size and level of competition all the time. My God, I mean, getting players from, well, I won't ruin it too much, but some of these smaller teams that you've got matched up against Alabama, Oklahoma, that would be music to my ears because I'd be able to see those players tested against the best teams. And again, it gives someone like me and obviously the professional scouts as well, a real game where a player might want to hang their hat on and it could make them millions of dollars in the future because it could have pushed them for a round or two or even just get them drafted. So yeah, I'm, I'm completely all for it, all for the diversity. And um, yeah, it's a fantastic way to kind of go about it. There's obviously parallels in other American sport as well, which I'm sure we'll touch upon as well. But yeah, no, fantastic. I love it. And like I say, everyone should go and read this article. It's an amazing article. The diversity, I think, is a really important point for me because it's just getting loads of different teams in there. Like I, for, for, I, I, again, this isn't the work happened, but I picked the winner of the Armed Forces Bowl to go into the last six teams. I think it's a showcase of college football. Let's get Army in there. Army are a really good team. They pushed Michigan a couple of years ago very close. They are limited, but they are a big part of college football. So I think teams like Army, uh, who, who, a team who have such a little talent, really, if you look at it, but so compete so well. It's a big part of college football. So, yeah, getting that diverse range of, of, of offences, of, of, you know, teams across the country is important. And you mentioned that the, the, some of the matchups in the early rounds are really exciting. I was going to touch on the quarterfinals I had because I thought the semifinals and finals this year, were, they were interesting matchups. They didn't play out that way. But the quarterfinals this year, First of all, I've been Alabama and Steve Sarkeesian going up against Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley and Spencer Rattler, which would have been an incredible matchup. You know, Oklahoma, you know, are a really exciting team to watch, even if they're not quite at that level yet. And they'd have pushed Alabama. We've got Cincinnati versus Notre Dame, which are the two best defenses in college football. If you're looking at you know, how they performed last year, two of the best out there. And that would have been a really tantalising matchup between two of the best defences. And that would have been great to watch, especially when you have two NFL draft calibre quarterbacks running you know, the offence as well with Ian Book and my guy Desmond Ridder. Then you've got Ohio State versus Texas A&M. Another fascinating matchup that you just won't see. And then finally, Florida versus Clemson, which I think just would have been you know, Trevor Lawrence versus Kyle Pitts and Davos Sweeney versus Dan Mullet. It, it would have just been amazing. And I think those quarterfinals are honestly the most exciting ones. And they'd have happened at the likes of Death Valley and, and all of these amazing college stadiums where the atmosphere is great. Because college football for me is always about the atmosphere. The atmosphere of college football is intense and excellent. And it's best at a home crowd. And, you know, that's what, you know what, let's send Florida, let's send Kyle, um, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts to Clemson and make, it, you know, make them test themselves. I think it would just be so, so much fun. And, and as you said, if you're looking at, you know, a, a quarterback um, prospect, right, you're thinking about how has he performed in big moments. And Kyle Trask was good last year, I, I think. And he struggled in his bowl game because everyone left. But in this, in this scenario, you're getting the opportunity to see Kyle Trask play with all of his best players against Clemson at Clemson, a game you wouldn't, norm, you know, you wouldn't normally get to see. I think that is just so, so exciting. So, yeah, yeah, I think diversity is important. But I also think that that you still get, even though you have all of these smaller teams in the last 16, you still get those matchups. And they're tantalising and really exciting. I don't think it this format would get rid of, you know, the, those best versus best that quality will want. I think, if anything, it gives us more storylines and all of the best players playing in the big games. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it's weird how the college football playoff has turned out because for a while, everyone was kind of sick of, of, of the BCS 
uh, and how that sort of system was run. And I mean, there is now still, but there was like a lot of favoritism and teams teams were getting in and because they had a quality loss, um, just absolute rubbish that was happening. And and when the playoffs came along, everyone's like, oh, it's uh, it's going to shake it up. But it's, it's been pretty much a rotation of the same four teams uh, every year. Um, which is why I liked Ed plan, Ed's plan, because that amount of games speaks to what the people in charge really like, and that's money. Uh, and the more games and the more money, uh, uh, that's the best way to do it. And also for a lot of players who potentially need an extra game or need to, you know, need to see how they handle pressure, need to see how these players handle the biggest moments against the best other defences in college football it actually helps a lot of players. Potentially, if Ian Book had three extra games or whatever, where he shone in these playoffs and that maybe takes him up a little bit more. Yeah, you know, it's Ian Book. Um, maybe that takes him up a little bit in draft stock. And since we've got the playoffs, it's kind of devalued bowl games to a sense because I, not many players... Uh, play bowl games anymore, especially guys who are going to the draft. A lot of opt-outs of bowl games. They don't want to get injured or whatever. And I think having this 16-game format uh, would actually might make bowl games matter a bit more as well. Players are going to want to be there for the playoffs and they're going to want to make, make a run at the natty. And we say this every single time we record uh, I'm talking about matchups. As much as, yeah, Alabama could run away with it or Clemson could run away with it if they get, you know, matched against a Cincinnati or, or a Coastal Carolina, it's still any given Sunday. We remember what happened in 2007 when I think they were FCS uh, at the time, Appalachian State upset Michigan. And I know that's at the start of a season, but it can still happen. And that is that is why a 16-team playoff bracket would, would be magical. Because you... One year, Coastal Carolina could come in and squeak past Georgia or something or squeak past the Texas A&M uh, and end up having a real go at the Natty because momentum matters a hell of a lot. And then uh, last bit to mention as well is that the, the group of five teams are very much neglected uh, when it comes to the postseason. They'll play in like the Toyo Tire Bowl or the, you know, the Idaho Potato Bowl, or just some bowl that no one really gives a shit about. Uh, and this will give them a chance to showcase that they can match up against the best teams. And it, it, it sucks when you see a team like Cincinnati that wins the American Conference, or, or you see a team that wins the Sun Belt, or you see a team that, that wins, to a lesser extent, the Conference USA. Um, you see teams that win these and don't really get a legitimate shot at postseason. They get some weird Mickey Mouse trophy they can get. Uh, and I think the 16-team playoffs just brings... Look, we like football, right? So what's the problem with more football? And the old people controlling the NCAA like money. So what's the problem with more money? There, There is no downside to having a 16-game playoff. It, it, uh, 16-team playoff. It, there's no downside. The people who like money make more money. We, the fans, get more football and we like football. The players get more chance to showcase their skills and potentially pump their draft stock, which could mean the difference in an extra $3 million in the bank. So, yeah, I, we just need to do something to fix it because this four-team four playoff is atrocious and it 
it shuts out a lot of teams that could potentially go on postseason runs. Yeah, and I, I think what there's two, two things. I mean, at first, I'll circle back to the Ian Book thing. If Ian Book could go any higher than the fourth round, it wasn't only a reach for Ian Book, it was Ian Book being catapulted into the air. I don't know how. I mean, I love Sean Payton, but God almighty, if he thinks Ian Book is the solution, that's coming from a Notre Dame fan who absolutely adores Ian Book. <laughs> Um, but the two two things to to come back on on for that is that look there, there'll be a lot of people saying oh but it'll be a, it'll be you know it'll be a, a pushover for Alabama they'll easily will well look we watch Alabama play Arkansas all the time and nobody complains and look you look at the team that actually pushed Alabama the closest this year you know, who was that that was Ole Miss right and Ole Miss lost to Arkansas I don't think we can just look at this because we can't look at this as no, no, we need to see the big teams. Was that going to be the ones to push Alabama? No, Dame didn't push Alabama. I heard State didn't push Alabama. Ole Miss with Lane fucking Kiffin pushed Alabama, right? It's really, really important that, that we consider this, right? And again, you know, you've got all of these all of these teams out there that can push Alabama. It doesn't matter about ranking. It matters about scheme and execution. That's what matters. And I think teams out there deserve a shot because I don't think Alabama are invincible. Ole Miss showed that. But you have to be inventive. You have to be different. And there are certain teams out there that could do that. Coastal Carolina, inventive scheme. I'm not saying they're going to beat Alabama, but they might have a game where they can push them close. And I think that's very important. And also you say money is, is a big thing. And we, 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 need, we do need to touch on money because it is, is so important. But I think the actual like, part of taking expanding the playoff and going to 16 teams opens up so many more commercial opportunities, the live draw for every round. I'm not going to do it as first place 16. I'm going to do a live draw, two pots, one and eight, nine, 16. Loads more money comes in through that. You, the amount of excitement, the amount of broadcasting deals you can have, it, it just the, the amount of money you could bring in from this is ridiculous. And I think that you know college fans would eat it up, broadcasters would eat it up, uh, and that that David versus Goliath thing is huge in sport, and we see it all the time in March Madness and all these different things. I think college football's kind of lost that because of recruiting, because the fact that Alabama can have fifteen five star running backs come through in like ten years. They need to bring back that element of that, that magic. And there's been loads of games recently where we've nearly seen that magic. Ole Miss versus Alabama, Army versus Michigan a couple of years ago. Those upsets can happen, and we need to bring back the possibility of them to bring college football back to what it is. It's kind of, I think it's losing it a little bit. And it would be just nice to have teams have their shot. And, you know, have a proper shot. I did not be like, oh, they nearly won, but hey, if that was Cincinnati, oh, Cincinnati, you know, they pushed them hard, but if Georgia had their opt-outs in, it would have been different. Well, you know, that, that's give Cincinnati their shot without the caveats because they were good enough to do it. James Hudson was the, the big game, thing with the side of that game. So let's give these teams of shots without the caveat. Let's bring some magic back as well as lots more money, which obviously is the more important thing for pushing us across the line. But mm. for the fans, it's the magic. That's it. And obviously the, the, the money side of things as well, you know, it brings in more betting revenue because obviously that's all gone legal over in the States now. It brings in, like say, I don't know if they'll go for a live draw. I think we're, we're maybe going a little bit too British on that one. You know, maybe a bracket because that obviously brings in bracket. It brings in buzz. It brings in social media presence. Talk about brackets and how that happens with March Madness. And no one does complain about March Madness and it does have that magic element to it as well. So yeah, I think we're, we're kind of all on board with the 16. Let's move on to the what you mentioned, Ed, obviously the most popular kind of solution that seems to be kind of gaining a lot of traction now, the 12-team solution. 
Liam, I'll bring you in less because you, you've not really spoken yet. What makes this such an attractive solution at the moment with it being a 12 team rather than a 16 team and kind of playing in, as I'd mentioned before, and, and things like that? I think the most um, attractive thing about it first and foremost is that it, it holds the uh, the rankings like you just said as opposed to like having a draw you keep like the ranking kind of set there and you get so the idea that's been put forward the most recent idea that we've all read is like uh, I think it's a buy for the top four and then five through eight at home to nine through twelve so that brings in Ed's thing about having home games as well which is really interesting that that's even being considered elsewhere um, yeah it it um, I think it best. I think the twelve plus was kind of a good direction that the majority of people um, think, just because it brings in an element I've mentioned before about conference titles. You bring in all the kind of all the power five and group of five um, conference winners are kind of then in with a, a shot. Then, and as has been said, yes, it's unlikely that a group of five can go on a road to like an SEC champion and do, but they, all they want is their, their shot. You think about the kind of the UCFs of recent years and that they just want their shot at these teams. And uh, yeah, maybe it's, it's an unlikely shot, but uh, as has been said, it's, it happens. And uh, I think that that's, that's kind of the, it's good. I think that that's the route that they're thinking because I think you could possibly have those 12 teams, maybe kind of incorporate the new year, six games, um, of bowl season into it somehow is something I thought about. Although I I do like the the point about having home games as well. Um, uh, yeah, I think it I think it's uh, a good route to go down. I think twelve to sixteen. I think it's uh, probably the best way to go as opposed to just eight. Now playing devil's advocate for you three guys, and I mean I'm I'm a fan of expansion in te- in general, and you know I'm just playing devil's advocate by saying this. With both the 16 team and also the, especially the 12 game, where, sorry, 12 team playoff format where the top four are kind of guarded. Are we still not just playing games beforehand where we get the same four teams right at the end and we're going to get the same playoff anyway? Or, you know, is there a chance for magic? Is there a genuine chance for this magic? Yeah, there's always a chance. And there has, you know, recent years, you know, Clemson, Ohio State was meant to be Clemson's. Um, yeah, there's there's always a chance, and then and then you know the previous rounds there'll be a, a team with a really good. If we're going to, I like going down the idea of home games. That if there's a team that's been really good and had an unbeaten road season, then they'll fancy their chances of going to a place like a Big Ten or ACC champion and and giving them a good go. I think there's always the chance, and I think that. Uh, the majority of the time, I think there always is going to, I think there will be upsets along the way, especially with 16, 16 teams. You imagine it, the scenes as well, if Grayson McCall drops a dime in the end zone for a walk-off touchdown in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> Can you believe it? Where, where it is, where it's Tuscaloosa, wherever it is, it's all coastal. All they want is that chance to do it and, you know, keeping it, level at the end of the first and suddenly a couple of turnovers in the second and the longer the game goes on. It's suddenly always, ev- everyone's always got mullets. Yeah. You know, like when David Beckham did a mohawk and 90% of <laughs> yeah. eight-year-old kids have mohawks in the UK, everyone be rocking the mullets. We'd all look like gentrifiers. It'd be crazy. 
I think the also thing is about the magic, right? It isn't that we're not expecting Coastal Carolina to win the national championship, right? The 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 Coastal Carolina hype train would go completely off the rails if they just made it into the quarterfinals. Like they beat just one team or under a Florida or something. We don't need them to beat Alabama as great as it would be. We we just need that that little bit of magic to beat a team that's considerably you know, bigger than them. And I think that the top teams are are susceptible, right? I mean, Notre Dame, very good defense, very good offensive line, but they did have Ian Book at quarterback. And look, Grayson... You really hate Ian Book. I I like Ian Book, but you have to understand his limitations. Grayson McCall last year was a better quarterback than Ian Book. And look, Ian Book showed up in big games and he consistently won. That's why he's the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history. And you have to accept him for that. But what I'm saying is, is that... There are teams out there like Notre Dame that are not invincible. And I think you know the, the magic doesn't have to be a national championship one run. It might just be coastal beating Georgia or, or Florida in the in the last 16, and then going to someone like Clemson or Alabama and pushing them close, having a couple of good drives, staying in the game, I, I know, creating just creating a little bit of magic. It, it, it's like, you know. With the FA Cup right over here, I mean, the magic's kind of going a bit. But the, the great thing about the FA Cup is when a non-league team gets to the third round, as I haven't in Waterlooville, when it was Liverpool like, won 5-2. But th- like, that was a big cultural moment where a guy who had the same surname as Harry Potter scored and the whole country talked about it for years. He, Alfie Potter got a contract at you know, Oxford United just because he scored against Liverpool. It, that magic of still being soundly beaten, was there. And you know, we don't need huge upsets. We, we just need a little bit of magic and a little bit of fun. And Grayson McCall, you know, running, you know, peeling off a 30-yard touchdown run in Tuscaloosa. It's just something like that. And that's, you know, it doesn't have to be a, you know, it doesn't have to be somehow we, we set up an opportunity for smaller teams from non-Power 5 conferences to win the national championship because I can guarantee you in the format that I suggested or the 12-team format, they won't because on the, the on the probability, they're not going to win four straight games and the, the magic will run out. So, you know, the magic can be there without us getting, getting you know, Coastal Carolina to the big game. Uh, and I think that's that's important to remember. So absolutely there can be magic. My the 12 game thing, I, I don't like the playing aspect, not because and this is funny, it's not because that I think it, it safeguards the top four teams. I think it hurts the top four teams. But Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, proud these are the big teams, right? And and there'll be a fourth. I mean, probably Oklahoma in the next year, but these are proud proud programs and they want to have home games in the playoffs so if you're excluding them from having this home game in the play in the play-in I think they'd be annoyed about that so I worry that the 12 team format doesn't have the legs purely because of that so I think that the eight team format might end up happening to that extent so I don't know but I think you can still have magic uh, even if you know it's not likely it, it there can still just be that sprinkle It'll happen at some point. I mean, I, I don't mean this is a dig, and I, this might sound like I'm having a dig it, but Leicester did, Leicester did win the Premier League. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it will happen at some point, probably, you know, by by virtue of the law of averages sort of thing. Exactly. We, we, might, we might get Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State concurrent finals for three, four years in a row. 
But then one year, Cincinnati could maybe win a national championship or Coastal or Liberty or one of these small teams that just squeaks into the rankings could just have momentum and magic on their side. Like, no one expected Leicester to win the Premier League going into that season. I don't think even Claudio Ranieri, Jamie Vardy or the fans expected to win going into that season. So uh, one of these teams could pull this off. And I would I would happily let Alabama win five natties in a row if it meant that somewhere in the next six or seven years, Coastal won or Liberty won or Cincinnati and a group of five team won the national championship. I think I could bear smug Saban or smug Dabo Sweeney for for years if it means that at least one year one of these group of five teams goes in there and produces some magic. I, I, I feel like I could deal with that. And then it would be talked about for years to come. It would be like, oh, look at the, Remember that time Liberty won the national championship? Or do you remember that time Alabama got absolutely blown out by a bunch of dudes from Carolina with mullets? It would be, it would be fun. We keep in. No, sorry, go on. Yeah, the thing is here with, I mean, football, football, our football is a different game hmm. that you can overcome a lack of talent by genuine heart or by sticking 10 men behind the ball. And you can't stick 10 men behind the ball in, in American football. You can't. And I don't, it, I think the best way of putting this along is that if Coastal Carolina had a, had a Danny Simpson on the offensive line, there is absolutely no way that they're winning a national championship. With Leicester, they can protect Danny Simpson. I have no idea how, because he's the worst right back I've seen. <laughs> Genuinely, I cannot, I can't explain. Like, throughout, sorry, because I'm a Leicester fan, I will go back to this. There's an amazing stat. Halfway through that season, and that was when we couldn't defend earlier in the season. Halfway through that season, the, the statistics showed that no, go- no goals at all had come from Christian Fuchs's side on the left. All of the goals were created from Danny Simpson's side or the centre of the field. And look, I don't know how we how we won with Danny Simpson there, but the point is you can't win with a Danny Simpson. If you have a Danny Simpson at left guard, you know, Christian Barmore is just going to run him over and the game's done. So, you know, I think, I think the likelihood is considerably, considerably less, but I don't think it's impossible. And I think you don't necessarily need a Coastal to win win the, the natty they just need to need an upset they need their shot you know and, and there will be a last 16 upset once every two or three years and you still get the best of the best playing because Alabama will probably win the national championship year after year if they're as good as they are so yeah I think the last ones are it's a bad example because just because football is such a mm. yeah, it's just it's, it's one of those games where you can our football you can overcome talent like that in, in games like rugby uh, and America for you, there is no way Namibia are ever going to beat New Zealand because you, you with a game that's so physical, it's just impossible. So, yeah, but I mean, Kieran's right. There is a chance. And yeah. even if there isn't a chance, who's to say we can't say there's a chance and we can't believe it's a chance? But, you know, supporting a, supporting a sports team is completely irrational. Why, why can't I believe that Notre Dame with Ian Book could go and beat Alabama? Well, why couldn't a Cincinnati fan believe that with their defence, they could stop Ohio State? It doesn't have to be rational. It doesn't have to be a tangible chance. It just needs to be an opportunity. And that's what this should all be about, is, is giving college fans their moment in the sun, mm. wherever or whoever they support. It helps yeah. recruiting as well. Mm. This is one... If Look, 
guys go to Alabama and are happy to sit for two, three years just to play a year because it's Alabama. They have a chance at getting a ring or two and, and being in the national championship side. And guys will go to Clemson and sit because of that championship pedigree. You open this up to more teams, you're going to see group of five teams, uh, Cincinnati, um, Liberty, UCF. These guys are going to get more five stars and high four-star recruits because players are going to be like, wait, there's, there's a chance we can make it into the postseason now. There's a chance for me to, to get some hardware and for NFL teams to take notice that I can do it in the biggest moments. So it, 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 it benefits these schools so much, not only monetarily, but in terms of the actual manpower they can bring in in recruiting. You have a massive advantage going in to recruit a kid who, who's been offered to say, hey, you can come to Alabama, but you're probably going to be a third string scout team guy. And maybe you get your chance to play a few improvement throughout the year. Or he can go to one of these smaller schools, uh, like a, well, even a BYU uh, in some cases, where they will say, oh, I actually have a chance to prove myself in the playoffs now. And I, I can actually get my name out there and I can do some bigger things than necessarily, you know, that experience as well. Would you rather have three years where you start a bunch of games and you improve every single game? Because that's how you get better at football is you play. The, the training helps, yeah, but playing in game situations is what makes you a great football player. So would you rather ride the bench for two, three years, red shirt uh, uh, your first year at Alabama, and then maybe get your chance to play 16 games and hope that you showed enough in those 16 games to get drafted? Or would you go to a smaller school because you still have a chance at the hardware, but you're going to play a lot more games? The thing I harped on about why I like Shane Buchel so much is because he played a bunch of games. He's very, very experienced. Um, So these players could benefit massively. It's going to benefit the schools. Like if they can bring in these recruits, it would really shake up the college football world. Because as we know, sometimes all it takes is two or three really good players uh, to really make the difference in in college football. I mean, look at like LSU in 2019. Nobody could stop Jamar Chase. People were struggling with Justin Jefferson. These were just two very big recruits, despite a very, very average offensive line. And you know, maybe not the best weapons at tight end. Uh, And that really set the difference on that offense. So maybe if that happens to, you know, one of these smaller teams that let's just keep saying Cincinnati, Luke Fickle manages to land himself uh, a five-star wide receiver or a five-star quarterback, that could really make the difference and push Mm. them over the edge. And then it really shakes up college football. And the only people who are worried about college football being shaken up are the established status quo. It is the Alabamas. It is the Clemson. It is the Ohio States. Those are the guys who are potentially terrified of this thing happening because although they make more money, I very, I, uh, they love that prestige that they have and they love not being threatened. So it would shake up the college football world immensely. It would make it infinitely more exciting that these teams could get better players and and maybe make a run at the national championship year after year because they keep getting that high level of recruits in. Yeah, definitely. I really like the the, the, the point that you're making there about that maybe, maybe, I'm going to say, brings in a little bit more parity in terms of the recruiting and then it becomes a bit more of a level playing field. I really like that. Let's let's move on and um, let's talk about the eight-team um, potential, you know, uh, scenario that we might get. Just before we move on, actually, <laughs> just before, 
Uh, we keep mentioning mullets, or Kieran, you keep mentioning mullets. It's going to be all mullets in, in Ohio soon when Quinn Ewers is, uh, is playing up there at Ohio State. Um, you might be rocking that in a few years if you still got the hairline for it. <laughs> hey, you can't cuss my hairline like that. <laughs> it, you know, we see these guys come through all the time. He, he just throw, threw a sidearm pass. Everyone comes in their fucking shorts. It, look, Patrick Mahomes does it twice a year. Everyone fucking sucks him off. And then Matt Stafford does it consistently year after year and no one pays attention. So... I don't know, mate. Maybe it, we look at sound fundament- fundamentals and mechanics, which is what we see in players like Arch Manning. Um, All right, let's let's move out. on anyway. Let, you know, it's uh, it, I just want to have a little duck at your face, but we'll we'll talk about some future quarterbacks. I'm sure in the next few weeks. But yeah, the 18 format. Ed, you mentioned it before. Obviously, you know this might end up being the compromise. You know the big teams, as we mentioned before. They like the four-team format where they're going to have the same four, five, six teams in there. The 12 format maybe is the most popular now, but with it end up as an eight-team kind of compromise, and this will kind of be it for the next few years, and then you know maybe it'll be extended further as time goes on. Obviously, this would include the rest of the Power Five getting in. So, you know, Pac-12 would probably be all for this. You know, they'd probably get the vote for this straight away because they'd get an automatic um, you know, team in there that their conference champion would go in. Obviously, it would do for all the rest as well. And they'd be in as well, but you know they'd be you know probably be able to be pressured by someone like Greg Sankey at the SEC, or you know someone you know Alabama uh, athletic director and things like that. All these big schools will probably put pressure on them and say, "Well, look, you're going to get a an automatic bid, so you know why don't you just uh, you know put this uh, 16 team or 12 team thing to bed, and you know you'll get a team in there every year." I can kind of see that happening because we all know it's a big lads club in the in the around college football. Um, obviously, this one would include the five Power Five conferences champions getting in. Probably the sixth, um, you know, the best power. Uh, sorry, best group of five champion being in as well automatically. Maybe a Notre Dame or someone else from the, like Ed said before, maybe like the um, Independence or the Patriot Bowl winner or something like that. And then leaving a couple of teams, maybe three or four teams to get in. Otherwise, depending on how they kind of work it. What do we think of this? I mean, it's expansion. It's kind of got this magic element to it a little bit, but it does seem a little bit too small. I think I like the bigger ones that we've been talking about. You've kind of all talked to us around and we've made some great points. So what do we kind of think? Liam, I'll, I'll come to you first for this one as well. Yeah, you, you hinted at it at the end there. It seems still too small, even though it... Because it, I'd like to see like a, some more group of five uh, conference champs get their, get their chance and... Um, you know, I was going to say maybe you know a, a, a shot at um, another big Power Five team, uh, but then of course that would just be a, the equivalent of a play-in, and it's not eight, eight teams anymore. So I, I think that there needs to be a way of trying to figure that one out, of trying to get because I talked about it last year that there's too many conference championship games now that have kind of lost a bit of uh, oomph and a bit of meaning, and I think that that really needs to be considered. I'd like to see as many conference champions. In all the in the power five and the, the group of five kind of meaning a bit more, so I think yeah I would try and work that into into it somewhere of uh, having because yeah although that again it's uh, whichever however many teams we're talking about it's it's unlikely of them getting a a, a chance of beating a, a big power five team I think that it's worth them being in there and getting their shot. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it would just see be just a slightly enlarged version with maybe just the same teams again coming, you know, because we do have some dominant teams in the conferences, you know, Oklahoma in the Big 12, you know, I know we're looking at uh, Iowa State, maybe Texas this year as being improvers, but, you know, in the past couple of years, if it had been this format, basically it would have been Oklahoma the whole time. Yeah. You know, Oregon in the Pac-12 would have been every single year. Notre Dame would, you know, Dame, if it is just down to the independent, Notre Dame would probably be in it every year anyway. Would you, you know, have them as both? games as well as opposed to like home and road games because it's weird like you've mentioned in the Pac-12 it's been odd to me seeing like um like the Rose Bowl game not even being one of the three biggest games mm. to end the season it's very strange to me I think watched the Rose Bowl for so many years and there's seasons when it's not included in the the playoff and it just it feels lessened and yeah they all need to be included like I mentioned if it if we're going to have at least 12 that maybe the New Year's six games should all be in, included I would like to see the New Year's Six games stay, if I'm honest. I mean, I like the home element to it, but it'd need a larger tournament for it to be included because I do like the fact that the New Year's Six... And again, we're going, you know, we don't need to wait from tradition too much and start lining the pockets of these teams that do get the bigger home games all the time because obviously the bigger teams are the bigger stadiums most of the time as well and they can make more money. And then the parity element goes out of it, which obviously goes back to Kieran's point and that kind of becomes a little bit more uneven again. So a neutral site venue which we do in the regular season anyway. You know, we have some big games played at neutral sites, although, you know, the same sites used all the time and the same teams kind of play at those things. But, you know, for things like the Red River rivalry, you know, that, that's um, always played at the Cotton Bowl, obviously. And that is a traditional thing. And I think we could keep that sort of thing with the New Year's Six as well. So I kind of like a little bit of a hybrid for this. But I do think you need a bigger tournament to kind of do that. Because, again, I do like the, the home element of things, as I mentioned. So, so yeah. maybe some of those kind of... Uh, neutral sites we get um, during the season of, you know, you mentioned Red River rivalry, but some of the others, they could maybe go away in the knowledge that there will be some neutral ones further down the road when it becomes like playoff time. Hmm. The other thing, the other thing that I hope that not just the eight team, but also the whole thing, uh, it would maybe foster some new rivalries to come out of things as well. You know, and yep. I've got a piece coming out in a couple of weeks when we talk about and get ahead of a little bit, but we're going to be talking about, um, you know, the redistribution of the conferences and things like that, which obviously is going to come up possibly in the next couple of years. And this is one point that I'm going to make in that article about a, a forging of new rivalries. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with the old ones. I'm not trying to, you know, force new things on people and, and get rid of the old stuff. It's just making new things, more drama, more storylines, as we mentioned, more TV money, more interest in the game, you know. And as we're trying to grow the game over here, kind of one of the things why we've sat here all talking about things as four British people, you know, that again creates more interest, more things for us to talk about over here and, and grows the game globally as well. And obviously I know that's probably not the, the main modus operandi of college football, but it's certainly something that is happening and will continue to happen as the NFL gets bigger and people get more interested in this game around the world, I guess. Imagine bringing in a trophy for the, the game in Dublin yeah. and then like having that as, and then the, the, like a winner stay on thing as well that they then defend it against someone new the next year or something like that. That's not a bad. That's not a bad. Uh, a bad uh, idea to be honest with you. I mean, I don't know how important they can make that game, but again, it fits into the globalization of what we're seeing with a lot of sports now. Exactly, you know, yeah. we're seeing obviously Wembley games over here. That's expanding to Germany. Expanded to Mexico a few years ago. I know that the NBA of you know branched out into Africa and China and things like that. And I'm sure. Other sports I don't follow do the same. So, um, yeah, it's interesting that it kind of fits in with with that sort of thing. But yeah, what what do we think? Would we would we would the eight team be a bit samey, guys? I think the problem with the eight team is that 
I mean, look, obviously, the first thing it would be great to have a Pac-12 team in. So I think the Pac-12 is almost, you know, no, it, it kind of suffers because of its competitiveness. Mm, absolutely. I don't think there's a transcendent team in the Pac-12. I, I really don't think there is. You know, Oregon are, you know, consistently pretty good. But you've got USC in there. You've got, you know, you've got you know, Washington. You've got loads of good teams. You could, you could literally name most of the teams in the conference <laughs> and, and make a case for it. Well, like, genuinely, you look at Stanford have a great tradition of great quarterbacks and, and, and all these different teams. And it's very difficult to go, you know, to go whatever and know. It, it, it's very tough. And, you know, I think the, the, the issue is, of course, these teams aren't transcendent and there is no team that's going to go and win the national championship. But uh, the benefit of expanding is that we get to see a Pac-12 team in. And I think it's a, you know, I really enjoy watching the conference when it's possible. Uh, and, I think that would be lovely. I know, I know Lee, you're a big fan. So that, that would be a nice thing. I think that the issue then is then you get into that, okay, you're going to have one from the, you know, the non-power five conferences. Then how do you decide between Cincinnati and Coastal? And that's going to be an issue. And then you're going to get the two choices. And it can't just be a, one of the independents because Noah Dame is the only independent that's really going to push for it. Let's be honest. I, as much as I, I love Army football, I doubt Army are going to have a good enough schedule to really push it. So it has to be these, these two other teams. And then you're looking at, well, who are these two other teams? It's Texas A&M, probably Notre Dame. It's just, it's complicated. And I don't think you're quite getting all of the rivalries and matchups you'd want. There's at least, with the eight, again, with the eight-team playoff, I feel like there's going to be at least two or three teams that we'd be really disappointed weren't in there. Whereas with a slightly larger playoff, and I think this is the thing with 16 teams, I don't think there's any teams I was disappointed to leave out when I did mine. It was, I wasn't like, oh, no, I can't see Indiana play in the last 16. As good as Indiana <laughs> were, I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching them play, but it's not like, oh, no, I wish they were going to play. Do you know what I mean? Like, Indiana, very good, very good school. Uh, nothing against them, but like, it's, you, it's not quite the, you're not missing the blockbusters that, that you, you are with an eight-team playoff. And yeah, so I, I like the fact that you get the conference championships in. It would be a positive step, I think, for Pac-12, if nothing else. But it, it gets very complicated for teams who, firstly, independence is tough for Notre Dame, even though they have usually a very tough schedule. It's, it, would be, it, it would be a bit tough for Notre Dame, I think, with those two final spots. Uh, and then, you know, I just think it's a bit complicated with who you leave in or out. And it, again, it leaves... The, it leaves the, the, the rivalries and the matchups down to the college playoff committee. And we want to avoid that. Uh, we, we, we should need to get away from the committee because when you choose the committee's choosing eight teams, it's very hard to fuck it up. Whereas with two teams, they will be wrong pretty much every year. So I do have my reservations about the eight-team playoff. It'd be not, it's, it's good to have all the conference championships in. It's really good to have a non-power five berth. So it would be a positive step. But I just think it, it doesn't fix anything. It, it doesn't solve any of the problems. It just it just makes the problems have an extra game week. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. What you finished off with, especially that it doesn't quite solve anything, does it? It just gives us a bit more football, which I know Kieran mentioned as a, as a as a good point before, and I completely agree. But well, I think it was set up as a fourteen playoff, very specifically by the NCAA to kind of protect those top teams so they wouldn't potentially be dethroned or, or, or something by by a you know group of five team that manages to turn the magic on at the last minute we see this a lot in in college football and I'm, I'm going to try not to bash Ohio State too much but they literally got the rules changed so they could have an, a play in the Big Ten championship 
and, and then go on to play in the playoffs. So we see these big teams don't follow the rules and everything is done to cater to them, which I think we can all agree is bullshit. But it it's just having this would be a lot fairer. Uh, and as much as these top teams don't like things being fair and equal, it would it would actually help the fans. And more importantly, it would help the players, because at the end of the day, that's why these players are playing college football. So they can go to the NFL or they can go to coaching and especially people from less privileged backgrounds can change their life and potentially go on and create generational wealth. I would say about the Ohio State point is if Ohio State weren't to the Big Ten Championship, we would have been fucking dire. So I don't think in this in this one-off year, for that. But I, I I do agree. It it feels very protectionist. And I don't think teams Alabama should be worried about competition because they are just better. And I don't think Nick Saban cares about competition because he knows they're the best team. So yeah, I, I think there is an issue of trying to protect the big teams, but, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to have more competition. And, you know, I, I just think, again, it's the opportunity for these big teams to get these these younger players in. I mean, with Cincinnati, they've got the highest ever recruit in their history, Evan Prater, a quarterback. He's on the roster now. I mentioned him a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Fabulous, fabulous quarterback stuck behind Desmond Ritter, who will be for a year and he'll take over. But that's because Cincinnati have a bit of buzz around them. They have the potential to make some moves and they've got a great quarterback there and he's going to be very good for them, I'm sure. And, you know, one year, say, a likes of a, um, you know, a Coastal or a San Jose State or whatever get there and they're in the national spotlight, what's to stop a four-star quarterback saying, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make the plunge. I like that coaching stuff. I like what they're doing. I like the community. So it would be a great leveler, but they wouldn't think, I don't think Alabama needs to be scared, but whilst it would be a great leveler, it's a great leveler for, ooh, a fast, a four-star quarterback going to wherever, whereas all of the five stars are still going to go to power five schools and they're going to go to the best power five schools. Nothing will change. So, yeah, I don't think they need to be scared of this. I don't think they need to be. Um, which I which I think is something that they are clearly, but I don't think they need to be, and that's why expanding it to sixteen teams is fine because it still gets the best matchups. The best teams are going to win because the talent is so you know obvious in their favour. So yeah, I mean it, it all depends, but I, I don't see why teams like Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama need to protect themselves because they're that good. Because they're scared. <laughs> Deadly scared. Well, it is. It's a legacy thing for them, and they're scared that they get beaten by a group of five team and that they can't handle the embarrassment. These teams protect themselves at all costs. Ohio State was so mortified that they might not make the playoffs. They, I'm allegedly probably bought a new pool for the Big Ten commissioner. So that cunt's got a pool now for his summers. Uh, and they made the Big Ten Championship and ultimately the playoffs. They got stomped, which was beautiful to watch. But it, it seems like these big teams are scared, even though they have no reason to be realistically. They are scared and it, it just reeks of insecurity. The final point I'd say is the players wouldn't be scared. That's mm. one thing. Matt yeah, Jones, the players don't give a shit. They know Matt, they're the best at what they do. Matt Jones would love to play these extra two games. He'd love it. Boost his stock. Make, most importantly, boost his stats. The players would love this. And it's a big positive for the players. It's a big positive for the fans. 
but a big shake-up like a 16-team thing is going to really... You just have to reimagine the football calendar. You have to say, OK, we're going to change all of this. We're going to get rid of the old format. We're going to blow it aside. Let's just change things. It's a big change. Uh, it would it would be a huge structural development that would have to happen. But the players would want it. The fans would want it. It, it would bring great money, bring entertainment. The broadcasters will love it. But the issue is, we can talk about this all we want, but there is going to be a very select group of people mm. going to the meetings that decide this, and they're not going to really care what the fans think and what the players think. And that's the big issue here. So we can talk about it as much as we want. It's tough to see how we get the kind of fun matchups that that we want. Yeah, I think that's a really good good way to end the podcast. There. I think you've wrapped it up and sort of summed it up really nicely there. Right, so we, we won't put that out this podcast because there's no yeah, point in yeah, talking. I think we should have left on a really positive point. Maybe we could have left on. There's always a chance, but no. Yeah, the old white men are going to fuck us over. So uh, great, great stuff, lads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> obviously, we, as I mentioned before, we've got uh, a few meetings going ahead next. Well, not us, obviously, if only. Uh, there's a few meetings going ahead next month to kind of see what's going to happen about this. Obviously, as I mentioned before, the 12 team format is looking like the the kind of most popular option, whether it comes to fruition. Who knows? But you know, we'll always be here to talk about it and, and tell them how they got it wrong, mostly uh, when when it actually you know drops. But you know, as you mentioned, the kind of takeaway from it: more games, more people in the playoffs, more teams in the playoffs, more players in the playoffs, more meaningful games is what we want. And you know, we'll kind of leave it there. I think one thing that could make a few of these problems easier is, as I mentioned, reorganizing the conferences a little bit. We're going to, have to touch upon that in a week or two. So, um, so yeah, stick around for that one. Um, lads, we'll just go around the the table and um, yeah, we'll hang out some handles and. Talk about what we're doing here at the Fulton Yards. Kieran, we'll start with you. Yeah, I am at the Himbo F10Y on Twitter, currently working. Where we're going to split it up into two parts now after a quick discussion. Uh, top recruits uh, from the past 10 years. The top overall recruit from each class. What happened? Where they ended up? Where are they now? Sort of thing. And uh, yeah, d- down with the... People controlling the conferences, the uh, people who cry when people flip their bats in baseball. We're, let's have some excitement in college football for once. <laughs> yeah, staple of our group chat, I think, at the moment. It's a bit of baseball chat. Oggles of my head, but it seems to go down pretty well. Ed, what about yourself? It's at Faradise on Twitter. Obviously, the big 16-team college football playoff um, article is up there now, and that's something I've been working on. So go check that out and read all of the exciting things that we didn't touch on. Um, in this podcast. Away from that, I'm going to be taking a, a closer look at some offensive schemes soon. I think I'm likely going to have to protect Rutgers from Kieran's uh, carnage when he suggests conference realignment. So let's, let's <laughs> Rutgers are on the up, baby. We're on the up. Conference USA. Conference USA. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what I've got. But I, I'm, I'm excited to hear these conference realignments. It's, it's fun to talk about these kind of what-ifs during the mm. off I think uh, it just it's a, it's a bit different. It's a time to reflect on college football as a whole, which I enjoy. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. It's no better time to do it. And Liam, we'll come to you last, but by no means least. Uh, I'm on Twitter uh, at Liam66NFL. A uh, lot of NFL, load of college football stuff. Uh, still getting ready for next season. Um, we'll be I'll be doing some kind of like uh, like player and team profiles as the season gets closer. Uh, player profiles I'm looking forward to um, obviously that then continue on from that as the season goes on into uh, draft season because it's always draft season Absolutely. Um, and well, well I'm at that as well because I've been picked up on it a couple of times when you uh, follow my draft stuff it, it, I am the most accurate 
draft board in the UK. Uh, so yes, I got that in without being uh, <laughs> reminded to big myself up. So yeah. humble. I was I was actually going to do it if if you didn't. So yeah, no, absolutely. Do it again. Definitely, definitely one to to kind of hang your hat on for sure. Um, massive, massive achievement. And um, yeah, should be should be something you should be really proud of, and I'm sure you are. So yeah, no, fantastic news on that one. And and for me, obviously, I keep banging on about it. I've mentioned it two weeks in a row now. Conference realignments is my next kind of project. I've, I think I do think I've cracked it, lads. Honestly. I think um, I can't wait for this podcast. I can't wait to explain it to you all um, and uh, and see what you think. You probably written the shreds, but it's it, I think I've got it anyway. But we'll leave that for a couple of weeks' time. Um, but yeah, thanks for listening. As I'd mentioned, go and check that out. That came out today as we were recording. So that'll be yesterday for when you hear this. Um, and we will see you see you very very soon. Thanks for sticking with us, and we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website full10yards.com or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb and remember keep those eyes peeled